0: All right, so look, you guys know what time it is. We are here on the Friday Froster show, and what is the first thing that we do? We drop the emoji into the chat that signifies the mood that we're in right now. I've already dropped mine in, as you can see today. I feel like an old man, you guys know that (laughs) I've. And I've been in the hospital, but I'm recovered and I'm here, but I still feel like an old man. So I dropped my chat, my uh, emoji into the chat. Hey, Heather, Heather is here. And guess what, you guys? Mark is back again. He says, good afternoon. All trust that you're doing great on this Friday. And Raven is here. Hey, Raven.
1: Hey, Raven.
0: Kelly is dropping stuff into the chat. Wait a minute. Kelly, <laughs> you're wearing your Trust But Verify shirt.
2: Look,
0: That's Trust But Kelly
2: <laughs> Love it.
0: You did not get that shirt from that audit guy. Happy Friday, Naisha. (laughs) Heather, Heather is still in a drinking mood. You're eating and drinking. Heather, is there a party going on today that you did not invite (laughs) me to? If so, I am very upset at that. Now, I'm assuming, yes, this is Garnell again. Garnell, you're sleeping. Why are you sleeping (laughs) today? Aren't you, shouldn't you be at work? Hal is actually having a pizza party today, and Raven says, What's up to everyone? Naisha is having a party at home is that what that is You're having a party without me again why why is everyone having parties without me okay kelly and joe would you guys have a party without me
1: never never,
2: <laughs>
0: never. <laughs> all right you guys so look joe is in a different location today
2: <laughs> yes so yeah
1: what what, what, are, what what go ahead go go ahead joe Oh, well, i was just I, who's gonna say the line you or me <laughs> You say it, it. you say it. you say it.
0: So okay, so joe is in a different location today, you guys. So today we are just going to pray that everything goes as planned, and in a few minutes you'll get you'll get the significance of the praying. <laughs> 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 so, so so there are a couple things that we want to uh, uh talk about before we get into the today's story. Friday Froster, it is now officially a podcast. I've got the first two or three episodes up so. Personally, I think that this is a good training ground for audit departments, fraud investigators to listen to this show, because I happen to think that Kelly and Joe are actually very, very good. I mean, I'm just kind of here for some reason. But I think Kelly and Joe are very good at what they do in talking about fraud. And I'm just kind of here. So if you go to FridayFraudster.com, you will start to see the episodes. We have about 12 episodes now, and I'm slowly backfilling and making it a podcast. Also, it will be on YouTube as well. Uh, So either experience. If you just don't want to look at my face, you can check the podcast. If you want to look at us and see our smiling faces, you can go to YouTube. There you go. What do you guys think about that, Kelly and Joe?
1: I think it's awesome that you did that. So thank you for doing that, Robert. We we love you for all the things that you do. Oh,
0: I don't do anything. I just kind of show up.
1: <laughs> Whatever.
2: No, you, do. <laughs> you do.
0: So yeah, you guys, here is, here is my mood for today. I'm just kind of like, blah. I'm just kind of here. But we do have some happy people. Pozo is just thinking about something. I don't know what Pozo is doing today. She's just kind of... But Hal says... We're all kind of just here now, aren't we?
1: <laughs>
0: yes, Hal, we are all kind of just here. You know what? Without further delay, let's just jump right in. <laughs> so I've kind of titled this one, What I Steal is None of Your Business. And here's what I'll say about this story, you guys. This story is unbelievable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Keep them coming, Robert.
0: <laughs> Today's story is second to none. <laughs> none should be shot. Okay, never mind.
2: <laughs> this is why I love Twitter, because um, the retweets and the comments for this news story... Are, you know, we don't even have to be funny. We can just read them.
0: Right, right. So, okay, okay. So, look, this story is a long story. It, it's, it's stretched quite a few years. But I will say the Washington Post uh, chronicled it on June the 9th. And here's what they said they said each new school year, fresh checks for tuition and fees streamed into the principal's office at the St. James Catholic School in Torrance, California. But for 10 years, those checks, along with donations, Well, they didn't make it to the school's bank account. Instead, the principal, Sister Mary Margaret Krupper, something like that. She's 79 years old. She was stealing the money and using it to bankroll her gambling habit, according to federal prosecutors. Now, they are alleging that she stole. Now, check out this number, you guys, eight hundred and thirty five thousand dollars from the school. She's scheduled to be arraigned on July 1st. Here's what her lawyer had to say. Her lawyer said that she is very remorseful and sorry for any harm that she has caused. He also said that as soon as the school confronted her, she accepted full responsibility for what she had done and that she cooperated with law enforcement and the archdiocese. Her lawyer also went on to say that later in life. She began suffering from mental illness that clouded her judgment and caused her to do some things to, to do. <laughs> sorry, to do something that she otherwise would not have done. Uh, she did it for about 20 years, though, but OK. <clears throat> That's
1: so now, beside the point.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that is beside the point. But here's what happened, you guys. Uh, as principal of the school, she was in charge of the school's credit union account, where she deposited checks for tuition and fees and donations. She also oversaw the St. James Covenant account. Uh, convent account, which is a savings account that funded the living expenses for the nuns who worked at the school. Now, apparently, she covered up her tracks by falsifying the school's monthly and annual financial reports. She admitted that in a plea agreement. Kelly, Joe?
2: Hashtag, it's not rocket science.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I just think that there was a lot of nun foolery going (laughs) on.
1: I think this is the classic example of you don't think it will happen. Certain people won't do it. Certain age groups won't do it. And this is the history. It'll never happen at a church. We've talked about these things. This is the classic. It can happen to anyone. Keep your eyes open. uh, Example.
0: Well, but isn't this just like all the others, though? No segregation of duties, specifically surrounding your bank accounts, your cash controls. But apparently she did the books as well. So she was the principal. She was the controller. She was the accounts receivable person. She received all the checks and the cash. She made the deposits. She reconciled everything. And apparently she directed the accounting staff, if there were, if there was any accounting staff, as to what to do.
1: Yeah, it's the it's the trust, it's the too much and too much trust in one person. Yeah, we've seen this in just about every example that we've done. I feel like.
2: So Mark is saying investigative bias. Um, I, I want to know why you say investigative bias. Yeah, Mark, Maybe. why
0: is that investigative bias? You mean on our part, or you mean? I mean-
1: maybe what i said about uh anyone can do it like we can't have investigative bias maybe that's what mark means like you can't think that an elderly person who's 79 won't steal from you maybe that's i I don't know i'm
2: just guessing uh trust by faith not by verification okay
0: oh boy yeah Yeah. okay got it that makes sense mark yeah trust by faith faith. not by verification
1: right yeah that's the bias yeah
2: Well, and Pozo said, when did she have time to gamble with all the shoes she filled? This is one of my things. When I was growing up, there was Vegas and Atlantic City. Now you can go to like your local Kroger and, you know, buy lottery tickets or uh, we have Dotties here and you can go. I don't even think they're Dotties. I think they just rebrand them every so often. You can play video poker and um, yeah, there's just so many opportunities to gamble now compared to in the past.
1: However, I do think she did frequent Vegas. Wasn't that in one of the articles? So she did find the time. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's like a normal school year. Maybe she had summers off that she spent gambling. Who knows? I don't know how much. Uh, I know principals work throughout the summer too often. But yeah. Oh, they'll find the time (laughs) to spend someone else's money.
2: Don't they say... Okay. Oh, I'm, I can't. I don't know if I should say this. Like, I mean, I know this from my parents. They didn't sleep as much as they did when they were younger. We don't need as much sleep when we get older. So maybe she like only needed four hours of sleep a night. I need you, my eight or nine. You know, that is
0: a good point. I'm finding the older I get, the less sleep I need. So what <laughs> the whether hell
2: is a dotty. Oh, Mark. So in Oregon we have, and I think they may have changed them and now they might be Ashley's, but they're video poker places where you go in and buy a bologna sandwich because they have to serve food, but then you play video poker. So they used to be called Dottie's. I don't, yeah.
0: Ah, okay. So now... Um, according to some sources, they say that by falsifying the, the reports the way that she did, she lulled the school and the administration into believing that the school's finances were being properly accounted for and that its financial assets properly safeguarded, which in turn allowed her to maintain her access control to the school's finances. Now, one thing that struck me is really odd about this is so the the article that I just read from was as of June of this year, but this thing happened a while back. So here's an article from um, November 29th of 2018. Two nuns admit embezzling school funds for Las Vegas gambling trips. Now, this article mentions Kruper as the principal, but also a teacher named Chang pictured here. Here's the both of them. And uh, uh, Kruper was the was there for 29 years and Chang was there for 20 years. So I don't know what happened between 2018, where we were talking about two of them, to where now in 2021, we're only talking about one person. But what I did find interesting in this article from 2018, the school had a few statements. And in one statement, the school said that they were going to decline to pursue criminal charges against either of them. For what had happened. And they also sent out a letter to the parents in the school newsletter where they said, and I quote, I want to assure you that the investigation has disclosed that, notwithstanding this misappropriation, no student or program at St. James has suffered any loss of educational resources, opportunities, or innovations. Now, here's what I'll say. Well, this thing was $835,000. So to say that no program suffered, I think that's kind of foolish to be able to say that and actually think that.
1: I agree with that 100%. That's think, like when,
2: oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Kelly. That's like when my irrigation district said, oh, it's covered by insurance, no worries. And then six months later, they're like, oh, well, we haven't raised our, you know, rates for many years. So now your rates are going to be raised. And it's like, yeah, because they got a bigger insurance bill. For anyone to say that it isn't affecting, okay, that's just BS. So BS. Well,
1: they're, they're rationalizing in order to save their own reputation. I, I mean, they're trying to downplay what happened, uh, at, at least in my mind, that's what it seems like. Um, in order to kind of calm the probably the uproar that would happen from parents. So that's, that's what I see. I see that as more of a marketing ploy or a, a, a PR ploy, right? We talk about those good PR
2: people. That's well, and my, Mark says if no progr- program suffered, you can sure decrease tuition. And I want to quickly Google, like, what is the tuition been over the, like, mm-hmm. or maybe there's just less kids that got scholarships. So like it, like, everyone.
1: Maybe they yeah. could have given more scholarships. I mean, right. more,
2: you know, it's not about the staying
1: the status quo over the last, what, 20 years, you said, Robert, this one happened slowly. It's about the fact that they probably couldn't do more than they had always been doing. Like, maybe the school was doing better and this sacrificed their improvement. And so that's what gets me when with that comment is no program suffered. It's like, well, so staying the same has been OK. Because I you know, that that to me is that's I mean, that's just crazy.
0: Yeah. So so let's let's go back to Raven and Mark, because, again, Mark makes a good point. If no program suffered, then you can decrease tuition. Now, Raven has said uh, PR is earning their money trying to spend that statement. I agree. But I think that statement does more harm than good, because back to the point that you guys were just making. If you were if you just had an eight hundred and eighty five thousand dollar fraud and you can say that no program suffered, then surely you can reduce tuition. And if I were parents that had children there, that is what I would be looking for. Now, there's something else that they said in this statement, uh, too, that struck me as as odd Uh, back in 2018. Myers said in a letter to the parents that the matter came to light during a financial review that followed a change in leadership at the school. Other staff members were not implicated or responsible. That is what he wrote in a newsletter to the parents. Now, here's what I'll say. She was the principal sent from 2000 until about 2018. So for 18 years, did you have any other financial reviews? Because if it came to light during a leadership change, Obviously, it wasn't. You get what I'm saying. If you had other financial reviews, it would have come to light during the other financial reviews. Why now you're saying it came to light. So the PR spin really isn't working. It's doing them more harm than good at this point.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, obviously, maybe they had a financial review when I read that. Obviously, she uh, falsified whatever she provided, whoever did it. Right. I mean, this this wasn't just a slight. Like stealing of money, this was a full full blown cover up, you know, of her behavior by creating like fake documents. This was no like small thing. So,
0: well, Diana, go ahead, Kelly.
2: Well, so I mean, if you divide eight hundred thirty five thousand by twenty years, you're talking forty grand a year. I wonder if it hockey sticked or if she consistently. Mm-hmm you know, was doing about 40 a year. And then if their school budget is, I, I don't know what their school budget is, but um, you know, as I said, that's like a little air leaking from a tire. So I want to do a little yeah. digging as to like, what is their school budget? Yeah. yeah. How did she have the skills to create far- fraudulent financials? Well, I'm going with the Vatican totter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know if you guys remember the story that we did a few weeks ago. I forgot what episode it was where the woman said she was taking the money and she was going to the casino because she was trying to recoup losses that the company had. So if you look, Hal is always good for insight. Maybe Mm -hmm. she won big at the casino in Vegas and channeled the funds back into the school is what Hal said. Now, Mm -hmm. Mark said. So she was investing in Vegas, right, Hal? And Hal responded, she was also their chief investment (laughs) officer.
1: (laughs) Always entertaining. This
0: this very well could have been the case, but yeah, back to what uh, Kelly was just talking about. Raven said, how did she have the skills to create fraudulent financials? Well, yeah, maybe she did learn from the Vatican.
1: I bet it was as simple as, taking their current financials and changing a number to make the bottom line look better to give someone i bet i bet it was a very simple
2: change. so they also had fundraisers and okay this is just i'm sorry they're like there was a fundraiser and they had a texas hold'em so like i mean did she actually play at the fundraisers did this ah. was this the gateway drug which was like um uh, someone said, I can't, it was probably Mark who said the thing about, um, bingo to Baccarat or whatever. But <laughs> oh, you, I did miss that I mean, one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's and it says sister Mary Margaret Crooper seemed to win a lot of stuff, raffles. I mean, it's it just, oh my God. Like, well, I don't like gambling at all.
1: But how ironic is it that their fundraiser was a poker night? I just, I find that pretty ironic.
0: <laughs> well, you know, here here's here's what I'm guessing though. After looking at the story, um, we're told that she was there for those 18 years and she was in charge of all of these things for 18 years. And then she told staffers to uh, fraudulently uh, uh present the financial statements. And she also had them shred some documents. Mm -hmm. What I'm guessing is after she retired, a whistleblower came forward because it doesn't make sense that we're saying during a financial review, something came up. So you had no financial reviews for 18 years. So I think that there was a whistleblower that came forward and said something is wrong and then that's when they looked into it and that's when they found it which goes to show us without internal controls without segregation of duties we are all doomed because even quote-unquote good people can steal Mm
2: -hmm. well she used to teach in las vegas apparently
1: (laughs) oh i didn't know that
2: that, yeah uh uh-huh so i i just put a link into um uh, I put a link into LinkedIn GQ did a story about it. So I haven't read all of it yet, but yeah, this was, I think it's a good story in GQ. And I think it's, I think it's awesome that like GQ did a story about it. Yeah. Heather Love to party. Oh my God. My kids went to a Catholic high school. The, the annual auction I never went to, cause I didn't have money to go to it. It was like the biggest drunk fest of the year. And I have a friend, she's like, I'm just waving my paddle left and right because she was drunk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay, so what's the lesson that we've learned here? I almost feel like we have a broken record going on as of late and, and probably in our profession as a whole. Segregation of duties, proper oversight. It's the same thing that we see all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? it's groundhog day mm-hmm. it really it groundhog is. day it's just they don't switch it up it's that's why i like to say surprise and delight like you know mix it up
0: oh i like that i've never heard that before surprise mm-hmm. and delight
2: yeah your staff not your customers oh, yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, well and it goes back to the good old the, the same old stuff right send people on vacation periodically make make people who are in charge of critical processes take a, a one maybe two week vacation uh at least once a year uh have multiple levels of authority where the same person cannot uh enter a transaction authorize approve it and reconcile it this is just the basic stuff but yet every friday we have enough story we have enough stories to fill an hour program and and then some heather says unfortunately Church has less segregation of duties. And you're right. You find you find this in a lot of places like churches and soccer leagues and school systems, especially private school systems, where there is supposed to be a high level of trust. But again, trust, but verify. And anyone who gets offended by the verification piece, that's the first person you should probably look at. Red flag. Oh, yeah.
1: Kelly, pink. pink, pink flag. What was the um? What was the name of the documentary with the school board?
2: Um,
1: oh, bad education. Bad education. So watch Bad Education, people. <laughs> I couldn't think of the name of it. I was like, Kelly told me to watch it. I watched it. That's a great one. Yeah. Oh yep. boy. Perfect now i have for this not story. seen that one. Oh, it's good. Hugh yeah. Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Bad Education. Everybody, watch oh. that one. Add it to your list.
0: Let me add that. Now, is that Netflix or Hulu?
1: Uh, I don't remember. Netflix, I think.
2: Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you might have to look it up. Did you guys hear about the new movie coming out with Will Ferrell and Laura Dern? No. Oh,
1: the my bakery, God. So- the cupcake swindler. The swin- swindled episode. The bakery. I love it.
2: Yeah. No. So Hollywood loves fraud. Why do we love fraud? Because it sells. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're probably going to make it a comedy out of it. But yeah, Wolverine, how they're probably going to make a comedy out of it. But still, these are that's how people remember are the crazy stories, the nun who steals, who goes to Vegas. And then all the jokes. What did she wear her habit? You know, like. That's Whereas, like, were there any funny jokes about Bernie Madoff? No funny jokes about Bernie Madoff. I don't.
0: think. Well, I mean, there was one—the fact that he made off with everyone's money. I mean,
2: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and Heather,
1: scandal sells. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, this is why Kelly and I do fraud and pop culture.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all, uh, right, all right, all right. So
0: we are <laughs> we are approaching our halfway point. The next story that's coming up is. Well, it's quite interesting as well. But before we get to that next story, before we get to that next story, where am I going? Joe, (laughs) tell everyone, what are you up to?
1: well right now i am actually in atlanta georgia at my aunt and uncle's house so coming to you from a different location today um i have summer vacation going on i have a book club june 24th i know a lot of you are already signed up thank you for that uh it will be think again by adam grant i've been talking about it a lot because I think anybody is going to get a lot from this webinar. So auditors and everyone alike come June 24th to that CPE book club, cpebookclub.com. And you can sign up.
0: CPEbookclub.com. Kelly, what are you up to?
2: Uh, You know, it's, it's summer. I'm going to be on Joe's book club as a participant, not as a, because I love Adam Grant. And, um, Just working away on I'm doing some fun little things that hopefully might come out by the end of the summer. Some online courses.
0: Oh, that does sound exciting. You have to keep us abreast of that. And well, me, what am I up to? Uh, Friday fraudsters producing the show. I have another uh, live show on LinkedIn. It's called The Big Question Show. It's with Andy Kovacs, who is over in the UK. And he he specializes in communication for internal auditors and I have another show that's coming to LinkedIn, a live show. We're going to call it Audit Bites, 30 minute show where we're just talking about auditing. And I'm also in a clubhouse room, uh, The Future of Audit, every other Thursday. So we just had one this Thursday. So Thursday after next, you can find us again. We're in the finance and accounting room uh, on Clubhouse and the ask better questions boot camp i had a slight delay because of an illness but we'll be picking that back up again and starting a new cohort in about three weeks so a lot going on with all of us if you can join us then just join us if you would like some good audit apparel go to that auditguy.com backslash apparel and get your i love audit shirt so yvonne um, um, yes I, i'm no i don't sleep Yes. Yeah, Jill. Robert,
1: are you trying to make us Kelly and I like look bad and lazy, or so we're all like, it's summer. We're like, you know, and Robert's like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm anyway. I'm just giving you a hard time. You're awesome.
0: Well, I've got to stay busy and and, and Shelby asks, what am I not doing? I'm not <laughs> sleeping. That's what I'm not. Doing.
1: He's getting sick and he needs to slow down, Mister. You know that
0: that probably is yes. true. So, you guys, our next story. Oh, we still got nuns on the run. Uh, Okay, I promise that's my last one. I promise. So, our next story, I've titled that one, Who Polices the Police? This one is quite disappointing, and uh, I don't really have any jokes for it. Nine current and former Boston police officers are charged with an overtime fraud scheme. Uh, According to a local newspaper there, for almost three years, Boston police officers assigned to work in the department's evidence warehouse in the Hyde Park routinely filed for overtime that they didn't work. According to federal prosecutors, they have racked up more than two hundred thousand dollars of fraudulent pay. Now, the officers were caught in part by the building's own coded alarm system according to an unsealed indictment. Six of the nine officers who are charged with one count of conspiracy to commit fraud, to commit theft concerning programs receiving federal funds, and one count of embezzlement from the agency have retired. So six of the nine have retired. Now, here's the thing. Nearly all of them earn more than $119,000 per year in 2018. Um, So As an example, one of them was the commanding officer of the warehouse and he earned two hundred and forty six thousand dollars in twenty eighteen. Prosecutors say that he stole almost forty three thousand dollars in overtime pay from May of twenty sixteen to February of twenty nineteen. The other eight officers are accused of stealing between twenty five thousand or between sixteen thousand and twenty five thousand dollars over the same time period. What do you guys think?
1: I love this. I love this story because I think overtime reviews are one of the, I'm going to use the word simplest audits that, that you can do. If you work at any type of organization that offers overtime, I mean, especially with data analytics nowadays, like this is something you should be able to review and you should be reviewing. Uh, and I just, I, it just, I don't know. That's what struck me about this one is why were we not looking at this?
0: Well, I think there's a good reason why we weren't looking at it, but, but I, I, I digress. Cause, Kelly, cause, what say you?
1: Ugh,
2: <laughs> oh, this is just, you know, I, yeah. it's so disappointing on so many different levels and it's a poisonous culture. You know, it's a poisonous culture And um, they do so much damage, their social capital. So then say you're in, you know, the area, the Boston area, and you get pulled over. Like, are you gonna feel good about it when you've seen a story like this? Like they just, so many people don't understand social capital, they just don't understand it. And um, it's so, toxic and poisonous. And, and and this is a, this is my little rant for the week. So, you know, there's all this stuff about like the top four or five billionaires and what they didn't pay in taxes. And like Jeff Bezos in 2011 took a $4,000 child credit. Now, of course he didn't know he took it. His accountants did it just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical. And so you know, Jeff Bezos has done a lot of really, really great things. And people are going to be stuck on, you know, this $4,000 child credit. And people are going to be stuck on when a cop pulls them over. Are you on overtime right now? Like, you know, I, it's just, gosh, it's such short term thinking. And I will tell you that the things that take cops down, and, you know, I was in the law enforcement world, it is money and sex. Number one and number two or two and one, two and one. Whatever. Which order? <laughs> yeah, be i mean, really mad. There was just, there was just an FBI, an ex-FBI agent who got busted for stealing $800,000 from a woman saying that she was on a super secret probation. And I will tell you, he's probably divorced and he needs money. So it's money and sex. Wow. And it just goes to show that like nuns, cops, there is no occupation that is not, susceptible to it mm-hmm.
0: so let's go back to our nice audience mark says he set the tone at the top yes he did mark it gets even better um mark says he probably uh got put in the warehouse because he screwed up somewhere else i tell you what if you want to pay me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for screwing something up let's go i'm down with that any day of the week that was kind of a joke and raven says at first i was going to say that our men and women in blue are underpaid but after hearing their salaries jeez and Pozo said, did the officer's pensions get adjusted for the fraudulent overtime? That's a very good question. But Mark, who has experience in law enforcement as well, said likely not very hard to do in law enforcement. And, and I do believe that. Um, should they be adjusted? Probably. And then Mark also says, true, Kelly, but totally across the board. Money and sex <laughs> is the whole gig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd agree with that. Now, back to the to the point earlier of, well, what happened? Why weren't they doing simple data analytics? What happened? So they had this one city councilor named Andrea Campbell. She chairs the city's uh, Council on Public Safety and Criminal Justice Committee. Um, what she's pushing for is that they hire an inspector general. Now, here's what she said, though, in, in some city meetings. Apparently, the overtime budget for the city was $60 million. The overtime budget was $60 million. So here she is, and she said, What oversight and accountability can we provide for our department so this never happens again? Campbell asked. If we don't do that, it will happen again. There's always that possibility. And so I think there are ways for us to be more proactive. proactive. So what she's suggesting is that they hire an inspector general. And I tell you what, I hate that name. Why not an, an insurance department, an internal audit department? But what this tells us is at this point in time, they did not have one. And this article is from September 10th of 2019.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and there's ways to game the system. I mean, I, you know, it's like uh, I, I know this from experience. The last half hour of a shift They'll do an arrest, and then they'll get four hours to do the paperwork afterwards. I, I just it like the system needs to like not reward that type of behavior.
1: Absolutely, and obviously, with a budget of sixty million for overtime, um, you know, there's something broken anyway. I mean, that's that's where my my mind went on that. It's it's obviously become an acceptable practice. So, I mean, whether you want to call that. Tone at the top, setting a budget that high for overtime—it's like y- this isn't all the overtime, obviously, that's been stolen from the city. I mean, there's no doubt, no doubt that it's it's way more than these nine cops did. There's much more out there.
0: Yeah. So Pozo brings up a good point. Did they steal any evidence? Because now you have to really consider these were the people over the evidence room, the, the evidence warehouse, and if they were committing fraud. Now, every crime that was committed that has evidence that's in that warehouse can come into question because the character of the individuals over the warehouse is now coming into question.
1: No, Pozo, they were never there when they said they were, so they didn't (laughs) steal anything. I mean, they like they literally said they were there for like eight hours after they left the building. That's how they caught them is they secured. They were like clocking out. Right. So they weren't even there. Don't worry about that.
0: Right. Just kidding.
1: Just kidding. But
0: (laughs) Heather brings up a good point. You have to hire someone that is not in law enforcement and probably not within the jurisdiction so that there is no pushback. Mm. Yeah. And then Raven brings up another good point. Yeah. In, in government, we know this to be true. If you don't use it, you lose it. When it comes to money, that is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Massachusetts, the state has an IG, an inspector general, but not the city of Boston. OK,
1: wow. Do we have any city auditors, city county auditors on the on the call? I'd love to. I mean, I personally don't have any experience in that. I just, I'm interested. What are their audits? What are they doing? I'm just curious. I mean, hopefully this is what we hope happens with this show, right? Is we spark, you know, right. you know, hindsight's not perfect. We don't want to react to things that have happened, but if they are learning lessons for us to do the right thing as auditors, you know, I hope this does reach auditors that are in cities and counties. What, What do we need to start looking at that's happening? be happy because i can see this happening in lots of places
2: oh yeah of says it's an industry practice to max out ot yeah it's high three yeah you know you've got high three and it's kind of like uh you know ceos oh i'm not going to take a lot of salary this year i'll just do you know stock options and they play with the numbers
0: now shelby brings up another good point that overtime budget sounds like an open invitation. That is quite a lot, but Hal Hal has looked it up and apparently there are over 2,000 officers on the Boston PD, according to Google.
1: Well, and somebody, I don't remember if it was the city councilman or whoever, Andrea, that you quoted already, Robert said that it was sad that these nine officers are ruining the reputation of all of our officers, right? But- that is, a, I mean, that's kind of where we started this segment. It was, that's what happens is it gives, what did you, social capital, Yeah. right? I mean, that that is what happens. So yes, there's 2000, but I yeah, I don't know.
0: All right. So it gets even more interesting because Kelly just mentioned, um, you know, last 30 minutes of your shift, you make an arrest, you get four hours to fill out a report. Here's what they say about this particular uh, unit. The officers could earn time and a half pay for regular overtime shifts, according to the indictment. One such shift referred to as purge overtime was after the regular workday from 4 to 8 p.m. And that time was dedicated to reducing the warehouse's inventory. The other regular overtime shift was one Saturday a month from 6 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. and focused on collecting unused prescription drugs from kiosks around the city and bringing them back to the incinerator. Incinerator. Um, but what they said was, at least 72 times over the course of three years, the officers put in for a full shift worth of overtime, either four or eight and a half hours of overtime, even though they didn't work it. That is what the prosecutors are alleging. And... Timestamps from the warehouse alarm show repeatedly that the officers actually left the building at least two hours earlier than the time they recorded.
2: Yeah, like Joe said, this is this is easy to figure out, like easy. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> I have to wonder with this in law enforcement, like the intimidation. So you get someone who's new and they're like, oh, just uh, you know, we just round up, and Every, everyone, does everybody
1: it. does it. <laughs> Jinx.
2: <laughs> hey, did you? Yeah. I mean,
1: that's one of my seven deadly sins. Thanks for the plug, Kelly. Everyone does it. That's, yeah. that's the seven deadly ethical sins. That's one of them.
2: Yeah, it's awful. It's
0: hey, hell ran the numbers. $8 million overtime budget for 2,000 officers is only $4,000. No, hell, the overtime budget was $60 million. $60 million. That's quite yeah. a lot of money. Now, they're also saying that in one case in November 2016, the warehouse, uh, uh person over the warehouse Closed up at 3.42 p.m. and then still put in the four hours of overtime for that late night shift to actually clean up the warehouse. So he left early and then still put in the overtime. And then they say supervisors signed off on their subordinates fake time cards and then submitted their own time cards. That's according to the prosecutors.
2: Yeah, we've seen, we've seen enough bad cop TV shows or movies that show the intimidation to newer people on the force and just like joe says we've always done it this way
1: yeah and i think you know if your supervisor approves it i mean obviously you know this was a kind of a i don't know in my mind it's a buddy relationship right somebody i mean (laughs) i don't know i guess it's not collusion is it collusion i but anyway you're yeah I read that, too, because I was like, where are the supervisors signing off? And then I was like, oh, they they just signed off, of course. Uh, so but you guys. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I've done overtime reviews. I, I can't tell you. I mean, badge reports, computer logins, like all of this data is so accessible today. I mean, I just I really hope that that's a lesson uh, that if you have hourly employees, like you should be doing that. And you should have it as a query running all the time and spitting out outliers to you. This shouldn't even be an audit. This should be a continuous monitoring that's happening behind the scenes at your organizations. Um, no matter how, wh- however,
2: you can do it. Well, so- and let's go to rationalization. Like the may it started maybe with rationalization, like, oh, they call me, you know, during my kid's soccer game. So I'm going to put, because someone's like, I can't get into the warehouse or whatever. And they have to, you know, so it's the rationalization of I'm working 24 seven. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we've got an update from Hal regarding his $8 million figure, uh, instead of the 60 million that we quoted, Hal has said that the nun stole the other 52 million. (laughs) So, so that's how we get to the 60. Now Lokisha's here. Uh Lokisha said at least in the States, this is going to court. That doesn't happen in most other parts of the world. Lokisha lives in India. So Lokisha, you saying that in India this would not have even made it to uh court? Um Raven is saying, of course, supervisor sign-off. Mm-hmm. Um I tell you what, now what the story is also saying is that. The Boston police say that a captain is now in charge of the evidence warehouse and the scheduled overtime shifts have been reduced. I'm not sure if that actually solves the problem. So now a captain is in charge. Like, who cares? What controls did you put in place? You reduce the overtime schedules. Well, who cares? What's the approval process look like? And also, was all of this overtime that they claimed fraudulently scheduled because the last time I checked you didn't schedule fraud right I- you
1: don't you don't really schedule overtime either have i lost my mind maybe i i'm not i don't know that just even seems odd to me but i mean robert going back to who did it wasn't it the union president the president of the union of the collective police force in boston that was one of the people involved in this so to me if it's a title thing you know you put somebody who you think is responsible in charge and now you're doing the exact same thing again with the you know putting a captain in charge i mean i agree with you that that's meaningless like what what is that what's the purpose of that
2: cops don't become cops to play with pivot tables
0: (laughs) right well and i think i think that's a big part of the issue and so dan dan kind of hits it too. focus on crime for the police hire non-police for administrative mm-hmm. issues, leadership issues that allow it to happen and especially schedule it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cops want to be cops. They want to be in the streets. I mean, this is what yeah. they've trained for. This is what they have a passion for. You could definitely have administrative staff doing a lot of the administrative stuff. Now, granted, there's some things that non that civilians can't do. You know, like I understand in order to have your internal affairs unit you really want to have ex-cops because they understand the protocol and the procedures. So I get that, but paper pushing things, the accounting work, stuff like that, answering the phones, civilians could definitely do that. And, and but but yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, well, I'm this and not to
2: get part. sort of political because I don't we don't do this here, but social capital and defund the police. When people see stuff like this, they're just like, you know. Why are we giving, I mean, where I live, the police chief just got like, a, and it's not a huge town, just got a $3 million increase in the budget for just asking for it. Whereas like, and, and they wonder why it's defund the police, which, you know, I, I don't like the term. I don't, but when we see stories like this, this is what people naturally go to.
0: Yeah. When I think the sad part about it is stories like this represent the minority. And so, yeah, like you're saying, what we do is we take the minority, we take the micro and we extrapolate it out and say that this is the macro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have these radical movements like defund the police. Let's be real. If I'm in trouble, I'm calling the police. Let's just be <laughs> frank. Police are there for us. They help us. We need them. They need us. And and, and by putting in some internal controls, by trusting but verifying, we increase or at least maintain our social capital so that we don't have these lunatics out here saying defund the police and if anybody's offended by that i don't care police officers are good and they help protect us and our cities our states our country
1: amen
2: yeah
0: dan says one bad apple yeah well in this case dan nine bad apples but nine bad apples that got
2: caught and i'm gonna say that there are more yeah
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah there there probably are more because I see some people commenting about the culture, yeah, the culture had to be bad because you had a supervisor that was approving these things and 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 realistically though, um what you find is in a lot of in Boston is not a small city, but what you find in a lot of small to to medium sized cities is either no audit department at all or a very fragmented and underfunded audit department. I think more municipalities should start using internal audit services, but, um, you know, you have to be reasonable with it. You can call me and, and I'll hook up with our buddy Trent at Green Skies Analytics and we'll do some data analysis for you.
1: <clears throat> I think um, I think that hits the nail on the head, though, with the, the mentality behind unethical behavior is no one is watching. And so, I mean, that's what we need to make sure isn't happening
2: that no one
1: that no one is watching. I don't even care who it is. It can be Robert. He would be great at watching. But, you know, somebody, you know, you you have to make sure and you have to talk about it. You have to talk about ethics. You have to talk about fraud like you and the places I feel like we see this happening are the ones who it's so far from their minds. Like they just they don't even talk about it.
2: Well, and Mark asked me, so what Did he, uh, justification, he wanted new employees and a couple of them were school resource officers. And, um, then also it was like our community feels there's a lack of follow-up or not knowing what to do when the police come out and respond and conduct an investigation. Um, and the population has grown. It is definitely grown, but he's a newer police chief and they gave it to him. Literally the city council didn't ask any questions. Apparently at the council meeting, so the it is a population that is growing and it's probably justified, um, but yeah, uh, it it was for more more staff, and probably for the lawyers that are defending the staff members that are having issues.
0: Now, according to Hal, there are 500 non-police civilian employees in the Boston PD per Google, and that happens because a lot of times too you'll have uh, civilians that go on. I don't want to say patrol, but you you know what I mean. The uh, community officers is what some cities and municipalities call them. So they aren't necessarily sworn police officers. They may be civvies and they work as what they call community officers. So, yeah, there's no telling what kind of positions these people hold. But at some point, you're going to have to figure out a way to have oversight of the police departments by people who aren't intimidated by the fact that it's police departments. And again, like I said earlier, if someone wants to trust but verify what it is that you're doing, if you're offended by that, then you're probably the problem because you're probably doing something wrong.
2: Okay. And Mark's screaming now. No one. (laughs) I know. We're paying attention, but we're not in Boston no one is even
1: paying.
0: oh god Shelby says the captain is too busy eating donuts to check the track <laughs> oh goodness and, and raven hits it on the head though everything boils down to culture that is exactly why they think every audit team should constantly and consciously uh audit culture yeah we we, we definitely should be looking at culture as auditors um it sounds like this one was corrupt from the top down um uh, Mm-hmm. This is sad, especially when you consider Boston is an extremely large city. So uh, uh I imagine it takes a lot to run that city. Mark is apparently mad. He said it just so takes him off.
1: <laughs> I, I love the passion. Yeah, the passion that comes out on a Friday afternoon. I love it.
0: Mark also says that it's nationwide, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I, I think over time, I think that... I bet that is, if we had to rank the order of like things that go wrong at organizations, I bet overtime would be up there, like way up there from whether yeah. it's fraud or I, I just, I really think that that's something that um, auditors forget. And I think overtime we need to, we need to do like a top 10 hit list. I
2: Ooh, think that awesome would be a, idea.
1: Yeah. I think just, you know, things that everyone's come across over the years. I mean, we've all done those things that um, have been pretty impactful. And I think overtime would be a big one.
0: Now, Mark does bring up a good point. Not not necessarily top down. That's, that's uh, one warehouse. So yeah, it, it's not the entire police force. But Hal brings up a good point. He says, part of the problem is that it's a very hard job to be a police officer and the good ones are leaving. Yes, they are. Uh, so with low pay and dangerous job, well, you 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 get overtime yeah
2: well i also know and i can't i don't know if it's changed but in portland um you just had to have a high school diploma to become a cop and there's different you know i I mean not that my kids but like my son is like i'm sorry i think cops should have a four-year college degree and again, we're getting a little dicey here. I, I agree with that. Um. I don't well, know, but then it becomes a who's qualified.
0: Well, yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know if I necessarily think they have to have a four year degree, but I think whatever training they have needs to be relevant, you know, so they definitely need to know law. Uh, and then, then there's some physical fitness they need to have. And, and, I don't know if there are really four year degree programs that could adequately train someone to be a police officer. You know, maybe if there was a specialized program for them, but a lot of them go to school for criminal justice, which makes sense. Right. Because so, you need to know the law. But does that teach you how to have fast reflexes in the street? Does that teach you uh, the instinct that you need to know when someone's lying to you? Does that te- you know, I think it's but, but I get your point, though, some education beyond high school.
1: Can we go back to Hal's comment? Can you put Hal's last one up there? I loved it. I loved it because... Oh, wait, which one? uh, This one. Um, Like this to me, as soon as I was reading this, it's what people say about teachers too, right? Uh, It's a hard job to be a teacher. You're a good one. You're leaving. Good teachers leaving all the time right now. Maybe not. It's a dangerous job. Um, But is it okay then for a teacher to... To steal, I mean, I do a case study about how teachers uh-huh. were changing scores to get the funding for their school, right? That's a big case that happened because they want the best for their students. So they start behaving unethically just to get what their students deserve or their school deserves. So they're like fudging scores to submit. I, like, I get what say, what definitely under like appreciate what Hal's saying, but this is the rationalization, this is why people do it because they, you know, they, think they, they deserve it. They, and, and a lot of them do. That's how I feel about teachers. That's how I feel about cops. And so that's where I just feel like, um, this is why ethics is so challenging because we know they're good people that deserve more and we overlook things that they do that are bad sometimes. And that's where it's a slippery slope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And then to your point, we we do have a different stigma when a teacher steals versus a cop. Uh, Heather brings up a good point. She said that her mom uh, had to have a two year degree back in the day and she passed the exam to uh, be a cop. And then Mark says you'd be cutting out some ex-military that are incredibly talented. And then Dan says maybe a uh, CTE program, uh, trade craft education program for Police officers.
2: Again, you know, a lot of this goes, and this is like you guys are leaving here today with just even more questions. Yeah. Is um, behavioral science and system one and system two and the thinking, you know, the quick mm-hmm. answers, well, the slow answers, the sleep on it answers are more ethical. Um. Mm-hmm. So, like everyone goes to the quick answer. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think this one actually saddens me because I, I I understand the importance that police play in communities and to see that trust being eroded. And now, like I said earlier, knowing that some people will take this incident and really blow it out of proportion, um, it's it just saddens me. Um, I, I think I think that there's a way that we can all do better when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, but then it, it also begs the question, why in the world were they stealing, especially the one making $240,000 a year? Was it that he felt that he deserved it? Uh, he felt slighted in some way. Like, what was the cause of that one? Because there were some others, because let's just be honest, $100,000 in the city of Boston, if you have a family of four, is actually not a lot of money. For those who were making $100,000 a year, what happened? Were there family issues, were there things like that that were occurring? But then also, what happened to make these individuals all get together and collude? So that's the other thing you have to think about because there was collusion here amongst at least nine people. It's very hard to, to detect fraud when you have collusion, but you got at least nine officers that colluded with this particular incident.
1: It's very easy to commit fraud when there's nobody to detect it.
2: So- yeah, that too.
1: You know this all to me i don't i bet none of them even well this is me guessing none of them could have even had a reason to do it but the reason was they
2: could and i think that's that you know i don't know that's the really bad part another thing is retired sergeant gerard o'brien 62. he got to retire at 62. come on who's going to retire at 62. and yeah and i realize it is hard work like hard hard work but I'm just gonna make a guess here. He had alimony and child support to pay.
0: That would be a really good guess, yeah. Heather says <laughs> yeah, he made two forty-six after stealing. No, Heather, he made two forty-six before stealing, and it is alleged that he stole almost forty-three thousand. So he made about three hundred thousand after stealing. That is
1: fun stories today, Robert. Thank you. <laughs> ah.
0: Yeah, this this yeah. was a very interesting day. And I will say I am I am saddened by this one. Oftentimes I don't get as sad, but this one this one bothers me and I don't know why. Um the nuns on the run doesn't bother me as much as this one.
1: I think it's because these are real people stories. You know, we're not talking about white collar criminals. We can. We can throw some of those in if you guys want, but I mean we're talking about real everyday stories. And my phone, my phone, I just got my 5% low battery warning. So if I drop bye everybody, love you guys. Happy Friday.
0: (laughs) Well, we are uh, coming to an end. You guys, it is one minute to the top of the hour. And so um, thank you guys for being here. You guys actually make this fun for us. Hopefully you guys are having fun too. Uh, And like I always say, Recommend this to your audit shops. Tell them to listen to this. We try to have fun. Uh, but these are some serious issues. Any church, nonprofit, not for profit, however you want to call it, please get regular uh, audits, uh, not external financial statement audits. Get somebody to come in and look at your control environments. All it takes is somebody who's been doing it for a while to come in and look at things. Double check, trust, but verify. Municipalities, please hire some auditors. Um all it takes is one or two to come in every once in a while to make sure that you're being a good steward of the funds that you have. Uh, we got people saying thanks a lot, guys. Uh, great discussion today. Today I'm a little sad, you guys. You can tell this story. <laughs> He's got me. Uh, any last words, Kelly and Joe?
1: No. Have a great weekend, everybody. Don't be sad, Robert. Yeah. Read something uplifting.
2: Yep.
0: All right. See you guys next Friday.